1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the Senior Pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called The Faith that's based on the book of Titus, a letter to Titus from the Apostle Paul. Pastor Sean is now in chapter 3, the last chapter in this short book, with some good advice on how to give the gospel a good name. Sean will share the secret to being different, but it takes you seeing yourself as a new creation formed in Christ's image. That's the game changer. Reallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part one of the message called A Reminder. Pastor Sean starts in Titus 3, then pops over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Paul is writing to this young pastor, Titus, who he has planted on the Isle of Crete to help organize and establish churches. And the title of the message this morning is A Reminder. A reminder. And reminders are something I know something about because I get lots of them. My wife is like an expert at the reminder. She can drop them discreetly. I don't even know I was reminded. I've just been reminded. I don't know I was reminded. It's great. Maybe you know someone with a savant-like gift in reminding. (laughs) There's people volunteering. No elbow zone. This is a no elbow zone, okay? My wife has an ally in my assistant, Christy. They work together. There have been times when I literally feel like they're one step away from pinning a note to my shirt. Okay, make sure he takes this make sure he brings this, make sure. And here's the deal. I can be a little bit forgetful when it comes to things like that. I I really can. Um, I was supposed to speak. It was actually a pretty large church, and they had a big youth event on Sunday morning. And I was the speaker for this youth event, and I just didn't show. This was not a choice I made. I realized after the event when the youth pastor called me, a friend of mine, He's like, thanks, bud. Appreciate that. I just blew it off. It's, it's a bummer. I'm telling you. Forgetfulness is a deal. And here's the thing. I don't think it's that I have a bad memory. I don't. I actually have pretty good recall. It's distraction. Can anybody relate with distraction? Okay. We, I think we live in a very distracted world. I give in to distraction. You know, AD, ADD is a real thing. It really is. It's a real thing. That old, you know, people laugh about, oh, look, a squirrel. Squirrels are fascinating animals. When you consider the anatomy of a squirrel, this is true. I've studied squirrels. People who follow me in a car or been in the car when I'm driving say that my hands follow my head, which is really dangerous because I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm very interested in a lot of things. But distraction is real and we live in a society that moves so fast and offers so many distractions and I'm afraid that we experience distractions in our faith. Distractions in our faith. We understand kind of there's the one thing, right? Follow Jesus. Everything else falls into place when we really follow Jesus. That's what being a a Christ follower is about. More people living real life by passionately following Jesus. That's our mission. But even in the church and in our Christian world, in our Christian life, there's all kinds of things. There's this class we've got to check out, there's this cause we've got to be a part of, and there can be distractions. Well, Paul is writing to Titus, and he's going to tell, tell Titus, I want you to remind them of something. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Titus chapter 3. We've got, the, we've got the notes in the app. You can access that, the notes in your bulletins. If you're following online, you can have the app, or you can go and get the notes at reallife.org. Um, If you're with us through the live stream, great to have you with us. Follow along. We're going to begin in Titus chapter 3, and look what Paul says. He says, beginning at verse 1, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Wait a minute, who's them? Who's them? You remember last week who he talked about? He talked about the believers, the church addressed in chapter 2. Remember he talked about specifically the different life stages. The older men, the younger men, the older women the younger women. He even addressed slaves, because in the Roman Empire there were slaves, but who had been embraced by the Christian community and who were part of the Christian community. He says, remind the believers, is what he's saying, all of them, no matter where they are, no matter what they're walking through, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Note that phrase, because he, multiple times in the passage we're going to look at today, he says, for every good work. He talks about good works. But we can't just jump past this, be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. That's a tough one for us. Because, you know, we've been raised in a generation that said question authority. And even beyond that, challenge authority. And it's like, well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, they didn't, they didn't have the kind of leaders we have. We have leaders who failed us. We have leaders who messed up. We have really imperfect leaders. They had those wonderful Roman emperors. Those guys were Awesome. I mean, you see the problem. Even in that context, Paul is saying, he's not saying there are ever perfect leaders. There are no perfect leaders. God, God doesn't have any perfect leaders to put in place, but there is something about this Christian ethic that says be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient, <clears throat> ready for every good work. We need to pay attention to that because that is a message totally contrary to the message that we are getting in our contemporary context. And I just have to tell you, well, let's, let's, let's go on. He says, every good work, and then he says to speak evil of no one. Okay, no one? Speak evil of no one? Wait a minute, that's what we do as a culture. We speak evil of people, and we're good at it. I can't speak evil of anyone, not even those rabid America-hating liberals. I can't speak evil of them. Oh, come on, really? Not even those blind, Trump-loving conservatives? i got to be able to speak evil of them. Nope. He says, speak evil of no one. It's like, oh, great. Well, in, in our cultural, was, wait, we were, what do we even talk about then? Okay, I'll just sit here and be silent. Nothing to say. If I can't talk bad about someone, what am I going to talk about? Love, good things, whatever. <laughs> Serious? That's, that's kind of, this is, you begin to see this is kind of radical stuff. Speak evil of no one. Remind them to avoid quarreling, to avoid Twitter, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. You guys grabbed onto that way quicker than last service. It was fun. Last service, it kind of slowly rolled across the room. Some people were like, oh, no, that's good. I told you it was in the Bible. (laughs) This is the world. We live to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. This is Christianity at its core, and we begin to see Christianity and how radical it is. We understand the radical nature. I mean, get ready to feel like the Amish. Right? That's how you feel. You feel, you know, I, I get a chance to go a couple times a year, go up to Indiana and go to Shipshawana or places like that, and there's actual Amish. And it's crazy. There's just this kind of peaceful, idyllic thing. And, you know, they're just total kind of, they, they're horse and buggy because they don't have any cars. And you see them in their horse and buggies talking on their cell phones because they don't do, it's true story. <laughs> I don't even know what to make of it. I'm not even making funny. I'm commenting. I leave it out there for you. Because it, it's, it's like, okay, wait a minute. So do you have electricity or not? How's the cell phone working? You know, he's got a little crank for the, you know, <laughs> electric. Hold on. But you know, the Amish and then kind of the, the the Mennonites who kind of are similar, a little more laid back, but they're, they're pacifists. And it's just like they, they are so outside of the mainstream of our culture and they seem so so different. You live like this, you're going to feel like Amish in the midst of a modern culture. You're gonna feel like, man, I don't fit. But that's what we're called to. And he goes on and in verse three he picks up with the why. Okay? The why? Not only why why should we behave like this, but why can we behave like this? And here's how he says it. he says, For or because, okay? We ourselves were once foolish, disobedience led astray. We were slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. In other words, what he's saying is those people you get so mad at, those people you want to criticize, those people you want to just tear down in whatever format you can find, he says you were just like them. And notice that Paul, the apostle Paul, puts himself in the thing too. He throws himself into the mix. We ourselves, we are the same. Remember in, in the Us and Them series, we talked about when it comes to the brokenness of sin, being broken by sin, there is no... Us and them. There's just us. It's like those people you want to rail against. Those people. Well, well, you've done things like that in your past, and it's really important that we understand this past tense. We were, we were, not we are, we were. The implications: there has been a radical change in you. Something is different. Something changed. You were this way. You are not now. We're not supposed to stay that way. I think there's a lot of people who just go, well, we're sinners, can't do anything about it, so if you can't beat them, join them, and jump in. Yeah, no, no, that's not the way the Scripture presents it. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not what the Apostle Paul is teaching. You were that way, and so have compassion. Be gentle, but you aren't that way anymore, and he's going to tell us why. This is what we were. We hated by others, hating one another, but, love when he throws that in, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. It wasn't because of our beauty or our goodness or anything wonderful about us. Not because of that, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration and renewal. Those aren't separated. It's not Like the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. No, this whole thing, regeneration and renewal is what the Holy Spirit does. Regeneration is brought back to life. It's brought back to life. That's what happens when we become followers of Jesus. When we recognize our sin, we ask for forgiveness. What happens is his spirit comes into us. And literally our spirit, which is dead in sin, separated from God, comes alive. There is a a change in our spiritual DNA. Something happens. And there's a regeneration, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then renewal is to be made new. So we're brought to life and we're made new by the Holy Spirit. It's this change, this transformation. You were one way, but now you are different because of the regeneration, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. I love that word, he poured it out. He didn't eke it out. You know, little eyedropper, you really don't deserve much, but a little bit for you there, that's all. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're lucky. He didn't he didn't do that. He poured it out. He poured his spirit out. When we didn't deserve it, when we were rebellious against him, when we were dead in our sin, he poured out forgiveness, grace, and the presence of his Holy Spirit.
1: And we want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called A Reminder. It's in the series The Faith, based on the book of Titus, which is available on demand right now at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find that Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotoma Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.
1: And now back to the message, a reminder. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Poured out richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, love that word, justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, what a powerful, powerful idea. See, it's, it's the heart of why we have this gentle approach. See, This is how, this is how we're supposed to live. We should be different because of this regeneration and this renewal. This is how heirs and sons and daughters who have hope for eternal life live. In verse 8, he says this. This saying is trustworthy. And he, he's saying, what, what, you can depend on this. And I want you to insist on these things as a leader. Now, this is a little kind of uncomfortable for our culture and our understanding of religious life and church. He's saying, be a leader. It's not suggested in the body of Christ, I want you to insist I want you to insist on these things so that those who believe in God may be careful to devote themselves, there it is again, to good works. I want you to insist. See, these things are excellent and profitable for people. So insist on them. And they lead again. This belief of ours changes us. This transformation results naturally in good works. It's not like good works is the way that gets you in. It's not like I'll get myself saved by doing good works. You understand that's not how, how it happens. But when we are forgiven in Christ, when his spirit fills us and changes us, it always results in transformation that creates good works. He goes on, verse 9, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and worthless. What's interesting is in the beginning he was talking about how we act towards those outside the faith. Now he's talking about how we act inside the faith. It's like, avoid these controversies, arguments, genealogies, your theological argumentations, your your dissensions, your quarrels about the law. It's like, oh great, we're church people. What are we going to talk about? If you don't talk about that, he's like, yeah, don't waste your time on these tug of wars. Who's right? Who's wrong? He's He's saying, instead, they're unprofitable and they're worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, listen to this. This seems a little hard sometimes. As a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he's self-condemned. That tells you how seriously God takes the body of Christ and the unity of the body of Christ. And when someone has intentionally set themselves to cause division in the body of Christ, and after being warned and after being ministered to, they refuse to change, he says, yeah, I don't have anything to do with that person. He says, that's a person who brings nothing but destruction. I think all of this is this idea that we're supposed to be different. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word. Thank you for this incredible section of scripture that the Apostle Paul, by your spirit, wrote to Titus. I pray that you'd help us to hear what you want to say and help us to be transformed into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. What he's making clear is we're supposed to be different. We are supposed to be different. This this transformation that happens in us should change us. It should change how we think. Really, it should change how we think about things. When we read the the news online or however you take your news, cable, whatever it is, wherever you get your news, you should think about it differently because of the change that's happened in you. Not that you don't... Look at the local news, not that you don't look at the international news, not that you don't look at all the... I I think we should be informed and educated, but it changes how you respond. I don't just respond like, you know, my favorite commentator on CNN or Fox News or wherever else. I don't respond in the flesh. I respond differently. I know how to respond in the flesh, by the way. I'm really good at it, actually. It's just natural. I just... I'm kind of... just a gift. It's a gift I have. I just... The flesh just comes and happens. I'll bet many of you are gifted in responding in the flesh. I don't have to work on it at all. It's just like, man, this this is my groove. The problem is, it's what leads to all that negative stuff that Paul wrote about in the beginning. It says, yeah, you you need to stay away from these things. I want you to be about something else. Here's the the reality. We're supposed to be different. And we're equipped to be different. That's why I got to understand. Not only do I have this propensity in me to respond in the flesh, because we're still in the flesh. Even the Apostle Paul said... Man, remember, frustration is wretched man that I am. Who's going to save me from this sin and death? But because of that regeneration and renewal, because of the transformation of the Spirit, I have the capacity and even a part of me that has a tendency to follow in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. How I think is different. How I respond to things is different. Instead of responding in anger that, that is carnal anger, I respond, and there are some things that deserve righteous anger, but I respond differently. How I make decisions about my home, my family, my life, my finances, my job, everything I do is different because of this work of Christ. In fact, if you're like, maybe feeling, feeling some frustration right now, say, well, I know I'm supposed to be different, I even want to be different, but can I just, I'm not, or I don't feel like I am. I think what Paul is saying to us is good news. See, the secret to being different is understanding how you're changed. Some of you need to write that down. The secret to being different is understanding how you've been changed, how you're changed, understanding what God did. See, we are not the same. This isn't just me, same old me trying to now follow a different set of rules. It's like, oh, I, <coughs> I was forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Now give me your rule book, and now I'm going to operate and do that to my very best. I'll try to be disciplined. I'll try to do what I can, and I'll try to follow those rules instead of the old rules. That is absolutely not the way this works. We need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand our identity in Christ. The scripture talks about our identity, who we are because we are different, we are changed. It's not about me being more disciplined. It's not about me just developing some new habits. Disciplines can be great, habits can be great. But the fact is there's something greater going on here. I love the way Paul addressed it in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. Look what he said. And we often quote one of these verses a lot, but we miss some of the context. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. It leads us, it guides us, it motivates us. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. His death, when I receive that gift, when I confess my sin, invite him to my heart, his death literally stands for mine. He stands in my place. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. His resurrection was a game changer. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's such an important understanding. We regard no one according to the flesh. Here it is, not even myself. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't regard you according to the flesh. You are so much more than just your flesh, your impulses. Something has changed in you. We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, in other words, okay, because of all that, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, we throw this passage around all the time, we quote it kind of casually, glibly. Oh, yeah, new creation, new creation. I think sometimes we don't understand what it's really saying to us. This isn't symbolic. This isn't just a nice, happy thought. This is the truth. You are different. You are new. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been filled with his spirit, you are different. You're new. The old you has died, died with Christ, and the new you has been resurrected with him. I mean, some of you need to really grab this. In fact, I want you to do something. I don't do this a lot, but I want you to do something. Turn to someone and tell them, I am new. Do it. I am new. that's really nice. You sound real real enthusiastic there. I guess I'm new. I know I look the same, but I'm new. It's like I want you to tell somebody, maybe you'll believe them. Okay, here's something else I want you to do. Okay, I want you to turn to the person who just told you that you're new, the person who spoke to you. Okay, I want you to turn to them and say, you're right. You're right, see? And maybe you'll believe them. Feels like sometimes you don't believe me, but maybe you'll believe them because we got to get this. We got to get past this kind of just, you know, throwing this around and not really letting it settle in. You are a new creation in Christ. Your spirit is different. You are filled with his spirit. It's different. You've been changed. There is a new reality. And with that new reality come new motivations and new power. That's the gospel. That's what the scripture says. And some of these things that Paul said to us that seem so countercultural, they seem so difficult for us, they seem almost impossible. I want to say, in light of this reality, we can think about them completely differently. See, The secret to being different is understanding how I'm changed. Okay, a couple ways that we can look at that. First, I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. One of the biggest things that makes it hard for us to walk in submission is fear. We walk in fear. I'm afraid, well, well but, but I don't trust this person. I don't trust this government. I don't trust this leadership. I don't trust this company. I don't trust this. So I'm going to, in fear, I, I can't submit. I got I to gotta do my own thing. I got to do it my own way. Verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one. I can be submitted because I know who's really in charge. See, here's the truth. And when you are changed in your spirit, when you're filled with the spirit, you understand this truth. Ungodly leaders, ungodly systems, ungodly governments will not have the final word. They will not have the final word. You see, our God, the one whose spirit dwells in you, the one who empowers you, the one who is changing you, he is on the throne of heaven. He is king and he is eternal. Do you understand that? Look at how John writes about it. In, in Revelation chapter 1, there's this great picture. Remember, John has been imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos okay, by the Roman emperor. Okay, talk about an a, a exercise of power. He's a total victim. He's in prison. He can't talk to anybody. He can't do anything. And all of a sudden, John has a vision, and he has a visitation, and he hears a voice. And look what it says. Begin at verse 12, Revelation 1. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. Well, he's got a long robe and a sash. It's got to be Jesus, right? But there's more.
1: That's Pastor Sean Ozzaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Faith, based on the book of Titus, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a note that this program blessed you or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Give tab at reallife.org.